0: West Limerick 102. The following is the podcast of County Views, broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 10th of March 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Shirley O'Regan, as this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.
1: Good evening, listeners, and you're welcome to West Limec 102 FM on County Views. And tonight I'm joined by Tom Ryan, as usual, and Shirley O'Regan, one of our main line of presenters here during the course of the weekend radio station two very very knowledgeable people indeed and this program is going out live on this wednesday night and it also repeats tomorrow morning from half past 11 until one o'clock and if you want to call in tonight on any topic oh six nine six six two hundred or oh eight seven one double six nine eight hundred. wonderful in the past couple of days of course we have this Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and RTE had it on as well, so surely RTE said they have a lot of expenditure and a lot of money and yet was on ITV and other stations. Was there a need or a demand in RTE or in Ireland for something
2: about well, things, I, I think I mean. that you know that you say it's on plenty of other channels I don't understand why or keep saying that they have no money and just pay exorbitant wages um, they would spend money on something that was also on two other channels simultaneously and the relevance for us I, I don't see it I don't I don't understand are we that interested in Meghan and Harry
3: well Tom well Patrick I suppose like this was um, it was produced, and it was like advertised as a as a huge event. And there is a there is a, a big, like a big following for the, for the royal family in, the, in this country. I really don't know why. But then again, we have followers for the English and soccer and rugby, and all the, all the, we appear to be still tipping our cap to the British, although we are now an independent republic, supposed to be anywhere. And I think this, you know, you, you have to give the royal family, you have to give them credit for one thing. They have a lot of people fooled for an awful long time. And, uh, and you know, they still keep doing it. And you wonder how they can manage it at all. But uh, I have, looking at this, it was an interesting interview in so as that I didn't watch it no because I really haven't any interest in, in that kind of stuff at all. But because... You see, when they started to become prominent initially, the media like, put them up on a pedestal and they promote them at every, at every opportunity. But then you see when she joined and she married and uh, I mean fell into the system that they have in, like, in Buckingham Palace, it didn't suit her. But she's an actress as well, you see. And, you know, a lot of this is acting. And a lot of it money-making as well. But what what has come out of the past, to my knowledge now, is a shown up uh, section, you see, there's a couple of items that did come out of the interview, and they were interesting. First of all, the mention of what the colour of the child was going to be, and it showed you a type of uh, racism that exists within the royal family and within the British
1: system as well. Tom, T- Tom I, I'll, I- I interrupt oh, you. I'll interrupt you as usual at this point. There was an interesting article in the Daily Mail on March the 9th, which was yesterday and by Brenda Power. And Megan loves to play the victim. So the fact that one of her in-laws basically wondered aloud whether her unborn baby would look more like her or her husband. A reasonable, normal conversation with expectant mums was considered to be deeply racist by Megan Markle. Right. Truly, this woman has a nose for offense. She can sniff it out where nobody else would see or intend the slight. Given there's a bit of cosmetic deficit between Meg and Harry, who is hardly movie star material, it's only natural that the family might hope her baby would favor her side. And since she seems to be a woman with an endless capacity to bend the truth, what's the betting? The offensive remark pondering on the baby's coloring was actually, let's hope it's not ginger. So people have uh, different ways of saying things, very much including myself, indeed. Uh, I I remember a relation of mine one time, and she was not Irish, she was from the North of Ireland, and she was pregnant, and a neighbor of hers, a bachelor farmer nearby, he said, uh, Uh, She had the baby actually at this stage, and he said, is he the name of the father, you know, of that family? And she took great offence as to who the hell do you think it would be? Do you think it was the postman? Because the Irish have a way of saying things, they had a completely different understanding or interpretation of the wording. But anyway, back to Brenda Powell, that's what she thought of it.
3: Yeah, but you see, Pat, this this, um, comment, by uh, Meghan Marshall, was directed at a member of the royal family, not any in-laws as such. And that would that would maybe, uh, you know, that she said it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip who was in hospital and who would have well, forgotten about now, and, uh, you know, in their dilemma. But the point I, I want to make on the, on the racial and the colour issue here uh, just to make a straight comparison as maybe only myself I do like being awkward and being contrary I remember when uh, in some recent years when they had the referendum on the actual leaving the EU uh, the, the the racial issue and the, the colour issue and the immigration was one of the big, big uh, items on the on the agenda there. So we're back now And that was for the commoners, for the people that would be voting in the referendum. They were threatening them there with that, you know, we'd be overrun with colours. And now we're talking about colour again. But this has backfired badly because the Commonwealth now and the people within the Commonwealth, who are mostly of the colours uh, type of people, uh, they are now all reacting to this. So she has really dropped the bombshell in that area and exposed the thinking Behind uh, some senior members of the royal family, other than that, we say I have really no interest on study uh, whatsoever. And I think it's the greatest waste of time. space. and, and with Sher- Sher- Sher-
1: Sher- Sher- w- Shirley, w- Shirley, w- uh, Shirley, <laughs> Pierce Morgan, Piers Morgan has left his role as Good Morning Britain following controversial comments he made about U.S. actor.
3: Yes. me well, a second please. Yeah. You'll drop me again now.
1: Right. I, but I want uh, Tom. You're, you're going on a long time. You say. I, I must I give Shirley a, a chance. That last spell was five minutes.
3: We've of time. We've an hour. We've an hour yeah. <laughs> just, just be reasonable and be listening to what I'm to say. Otherwise, I can shut
1: up. One, so Tom, have, a, oh, have yeah. at it.
3: Uh, there's a hundred twenty-five thousand people after dying in England with, with COVID, and I'm sure that that if they can. If the British press and the British establishment can make such an issue out of this with 125,000 people dead, I mean, there's something really wrong with, this, with, with society in, in England. And that's all I have to say about it now. So you can turn on to Shirley now. So you can say whatever she say.
1: And I agree with your comments on that indeed, Tom. Now, Shirley. In case we'd forget about yeah. you there, Piers Morgan has left his role at Good Morning Britain following controversial comments he made about US actor Meghan Markle and her husband Britain's Harry Prince Harry. A statement released by ITV said following discussions with ITV, Piers Morgan has decided now is the time to leave Good Morning Britain. ITV has accept- accepted his decision. ITV announced the decision after TV watchdog Ofcom received 41,000 complaints. The former presenter had made dismissive comments about Meghan's claims in a tell-all interview with Oprah Winfrey to have had issues with her mental health. On Monday morning, show. Morgan, who has long been critical of Markle, said he didn't believe a word. The suit star had told Winfrey in the interview. The interview sparked much controversy since airing with Markle revealing that she had suicidal thoughts as she struggled with life inside the British royal family. So i leave it there.
2: Well, okay. Um, well, firstly, I suppose, I, I've never actually been close to admiring Piers Morgan as much as I have since today, since he has stood by his principles and said, you know, he, he believes in free speech. Now, I, I think that sometimes he is deliberately controversial, but I think you know, he has. He's entitled to his opinion, and he is entitled to see it for. Do the interview for what it was? He gives a cynical grab for a certain type of publicity. I think. Um, you know, if they wanted a more private life, going on the Oprah Winfrey Show and having this most public of all interviews at a very unfortunate time—not just for Britain but for the world—you know—it is it, a very poor way of going about it. Um, I, I completely agree with, with, with Tom Ryan when he says, you know, how come, you know, this is getting all of the publicity when there are much bigger, much more concerning stories happening in the world. Like, you know, there are other ways of of dealing with mental health issues. She could have solved counselling. You know, the, the Oprah Winfrey Show is not the place to do it. And I think I think that Pierce Morgan is right when he says that, you know, he, he's standing up for free speech. I think it's unfortunate. That he has left his role in itv because i think that he was you know a dissenting voice that you know most people he's, he's very much a marmite presenter and then people either love him or detest him but he gives people you know he gives people cause to conversation and you know the the other presenters are much more i suppose bland by comparison i think
1: well i must say surely you summed it up very very well and i couldn't agree with you 100 percent more and indeed, I agree with Tom's viewpoints very much as well, because for people who were didn't like the limelight and the pressure of the media and the whole lot... Yeah, the
2: Winfrey Show is not the place to go for a quiet life.
1: Indeed, Sorry. indeed, so the opposite would seem to be the case. And um, it is important, uh, Piers Morgan, the likes of him, you need people that will ask the awkward questions, and just like Tom Ryan himself, who will <laughs> say what most people are afraid to say.
2: Yes, P.S. Morgan always speaks out, and as I say, you have probably 70% of people can't stand him, but 30% of people mm. admire him for speaking out. At least, they might not agree with him, but they admire him for, for saying what a lot of people are thinking.
1: And I send my regards to John Harold. John is a wonderful presenter and a gentleman here every Wednesday night, and he's here on Monday nights indeed as well, and on his way home, and I hope he makes it safely because the wind is fairly howling out there this evening here in the West Limerick area. And somebody sent me a message They didn't give me any name or anything. I, I like to see a name onto something, just numbers. Numbers mean nothing to me, really. Great to hear you back on the airwaves again. And that came in a couple of minutes after we started. So thank you for that. But as I said, we would like to know who is thinks that, who feel delighted that we are back. So that's the story on the, 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 the Michael Markel affair. And uh, Tom Davy stockbrokers, we mentioned it last week. And if you had if you had a dirty cowhouse, I think you would have a bigger penalty than they are stuck for to be getting.
3: Yeah, that's a disgrace. Pat, actually, that you know, this again um, it shows up the, I mean, our whole financial system and the actual the control of it and the oversight. You know, it's it's a real banking crisis all over again. And to say that the central bank would have the audacity in the net to come in before uh before uh, a committee of the parliament of the doal and said that this took four years you do it in four hours this was a criminal uh this was a criminal offense inside trading and you know those people are all left that company now and uh where are they you you currently know they're stuck in every kind of a, a financial establishment inside and outside the state so like again. Uh, this is a, a, and this I mean, fine. The fine was to the company, not to the individual, the perpetrator. <laughs> and who's to say that this is not regular? I I never owned a share in my life. I have no interest in share. But uh, some pe- in share. But some people, you know, do it and they invest their <clears> pensions <throat> and they invest their savings, and they expect decency and straightforward and honest trading. And we hadn't this. And you see, they're all coming out. The government are coming, the Minister for Finance, are, and they're, you know, crying, about this should never have happened. But so they knew, everybody knew this within the, within the system. How did it take so long? And how did, were these people allowed to perpetrate such a, a, a tricky trade? You know, and who's to say it's not going on all thing And again, it's a duplication, exact duplication of what happened during the banking crisis here. And during the banking collapse, and not one of them, only one man went behind bars. I mean, for that, when there should have been hundreds of them. Because, and also, their accountants and their auditors and the, the people that were, that were directing the banks, the directors of the banks, all these fancy names, which, you know, you, you wonder where they came from originally. You look at the directors of any of our banks and see who's running them and who's directing them at, at board level. We're, in absolute We're a national disgrace. we they're they're a kind of a untouchable. No, we we won't go we won't go there because why? They have power. They have the power of money.
1: Shirley, it no, happened. I- it happened back in 2014, I think, <laughs> and. The, the, the thing was well developed before, the, the detail of it was well known within the Davy group anyhow, before the fine obviously came and that would have come probably a year or two later which was last week and it was only this week or was it last week that they resigned their positions from the yeah. company and also uh, most of them if not all of them are actually shareholders in the Davy stockbroking group still. So they have only half left their, their shareholders in it.
2: Oh yeah, but sure, like resigning their positions. It just means that they have no accountability. Like, isn't it great? Isn't it fine? They still have their shares. They still have the money rolling in, and they don't have to be answerable to anyone. It comes back to what you always say, and what what you always say every week is: it seems to be one rule for them and another one for the rest of us.
1: Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. You
2: know, isn't it, isn't it fine to to just walk away and offer no comment and have no, pretty much no repercussions, you know?
1: Now we have a text message, two text messages in there, Annette was the... Young lady that sent in, she said she was delighted to have us back, and we're delighted that somebody is delighted to be back anyhow. And hello, Patton panel, I send this text from the wet, wild, and windy blue hills overlooking the beautiful village of Nakro and Kahukanlish. Can the panel please discuss bishops have turned to their own parishioners, urging them to lobby TD so more than 10 people can attend funerals from Mark Thierney. Mark, I hope you're keeping well and put plenty good, big stones into your pocket. Mark, if you're going outside the door in case you'll be blown away off those wild, windy hills of Knuck Row. Uh, that is causing fierce controversy, causing fierce trouble indeed. I've had a funeral, two funerals in the family very recently myself and it's just terrible, stupid in some cases where only ten people can go into a very, very large church. And it's, we've had um, some terrible, sad situations where members, brothers or sisters of the deceased were not allowed into the church. And I'm being careful there with my wording, I think Tom and Shirley knows what I'm referring to there, where an old person, he wasn't allowed into his own brother's mass, so some people are, reading the law, 10 is 10 and 10 is 10 and 11 is outside the door. And
0: uh, uh,
1: uh, Now the bishops, of course, are asking the people to put on pressure. We've had a lot of contradictions in this whole COVID thing. 10 can fit in a small little church like Knockaderry or Castle Mahan or places and yet Newcastle West or the cathedral inside in Limerick is the same 10. Tom,
3: Yeah, this is very sad, Pat. Actually, and it's uh, you know it it is one. You go to a funeral now, and it's actually nearly more sad than normal, you know, because I mean the the fact that um, that people can't you know assemble, you know, in in you know it's it's actually you know when you there would social distance and people would behave because I mean okay we have we've had the other side of it too, Pat and. They, that hasn't helped at all, to be honest about where we had journals, where, where there was disgraceful behaviour. Right? And or I, I still think that, that, that it should have been... In, that the numbers can be increased safely. Now, what, I, what I'm afraid is the bishops... The bishops are big and bold enough to talk for themselves, and they have a they have a serious lobby at government level, and they didn't be asking any parishioners, because I always said to you, Pat and Tell, listeners, to my knowledge, that the people should and the politicians should stay out of the actual situation as regards the the behaviour and the regulation that's been in that's been implemented imposed on us by Netflix and by the authorities that know they that know what they're doing to support them. and I thank God I think they've got us now again past the post again this time if we continue to behave. But the funeral pass will they ever get I have, I was even thinking about it today now and talking to a few people about it, we said, will they ever be the same again? When, is our life going to change completely in all aspects of activity? Funerals, mass going, in particularly areas of church activity, you know? Are people going to stay away from the churches now? Are they going to stay away from funerals? Because, Pat, if you go and, and see the funerals now across the water in England, there are sad occasions. you would see maybe two people or three people, you know? Because a great tradition here and it, it is something that I miss very, very badly because it, it's actually nice to, for to for pay respect to friends and to neighbours, you know, in a in a respectful way. And unfortunately, COVID has destroyed all that. And hopefully, that that now the things are improving, and uh, and that, that we'll be able to assemble again to pay tribute to our dead and our relatives and our friends.
1: Indeed, Tom, it does look like that funerals may not come back to what they have been, been because if you, you know you're a man, you're very good on the internet and all that, if you look at the condolences list now on a bereavement, there might be two, three, four, five hundred messages, messages from the people who would normally attend, so if they can do that now, and when things open up again, isn't it much easier to sit at home and tip out a few messages for the for sympathy to the bereaved family, rather than going out, getting wet, standing in a, maybe an hour or two hours in the queue? Shirley, yes, uh, yes, sorry, sorry, Tom, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That's, a, that's another aspect of and that mm. might apply to funerals.
1: Yes, indeed, Shirley.
2: Well, I think I think context is key. Like, I think it is. It's, it's entirely unfair to say that ten is ten when you have cathedrals who could easily hold fifty people. I'm being conservative here. You know, fifty socially distancing people who would be responsible. Um, I know that we have had, like you've been talking the last couple of weeks about about you know funerals and other events that have gotten completely out of hand. But I mean, surely there has to be a median between ten and you know. Two hundred, you know,
1: you know, it has to come down to personal responsibility, surely, at some point. Do you think some people? Tom, uh, a man, rang me there today. Now we're talking about funerals, and he seemed to say that uh, politicians kind of had their knife more or less in the Catholic Church for quite some time. We had uh, Leo Radker uh, criticizing the priest what he was doing on the altar one handed him, what he was doing behind the altar and then you he had uh, in the kenny some years ago did he withdraw his diplomat from the Vatican or something in that area at the time, mm-hmm.
3: Tom? Yeah, Patrick we've called it a numerous affair in the different circumstances, Pat. And you even look today, you now and last week we had our national on national media uh, and all the all week long we had the, the great Joe Duffy and he has found about four or five or six hours of national ter- uh, radio time criticizing uh, the Jesuits and uh, a priest within that, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that that's wrong, but, again, these, the church and people within the church, priests you know, that have, that have done wonderful work, have been a very easy target path for the past 20 years now, and they're, they're suffering for the, for, the, for the wrongdoings of a few and you know there has been neglect, there has been abuse. We never understand all that. But you can't paint everyone with the same brush. And unfortunately, Pat, I, I thought that the Leo Radical, uh, his, his, you know, statement in the door was a natural disgrace in the Canadian. You know, what he was was wrong in because they, like, I mean, they, they were all very, very glad to be to be supported and to be promoted and to be, uh, you know, to, for to have praised with him at every occasion. And that, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of hypocrisy going on, Pat, as well. And the church and the people who did it now, the priests, are getting a, a very rough time even as they get support, the financial support, Pat. They're, they are very bad, they are. You know, not, some of them are not being paid at all, and they're living on, only on their families. I mean, goodness, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. But they are in easy target, Pat, and they have been very, very weak themselves in, in coming back to defend the people that they're genuine, working within the church and I mean and I don't mean our priests now either there's brothers and there's nuns and there's all over the world they're working in unbelievable circumstances and in this country they're well doing great work and they are all unfortunately painted uh, as church people and you know the wrong idea completely is out there but it suits a lot of people to, pass, to be asked about it and it's, it, I, I believe that that you know it's going to change what's happening now will change the face of the church even even more, you know, I mean, it has been, the numbers are, are dropping and, you know, I still know uh, when someone dies or when someone is near death and they want to get, they want to get, uh, there, there, there has to be a priest, there There has to be a funeral mass from, there has to be all the rights to the church. They're giving these people, Some don't have to at all, do support any church support any order.
1: Right, Tom. Surely, in in England and Northern Ireland, I think there's up to fifty allowed into churches and for mass and different things. And we seem to be much more harsher, much, uh, more so than any other country across Europe down on the Catholic Church and, and people going to Mass and funerals, which seems uh, uh, unbelievable, really, in ho- what was known once as Holy Ireland. Yeah. And, and just before I, I let you in, Con called and he said, Masses and funerals are less than 10 people in a church is anti-Christian. Concerning the size of the church, there should be allowed 100 people. Now, taking that con's uh, point plus... England, Northern Ireland, and across Europe, I, I think I can safely say without contradiction, Ireland is the lowest figure allowed into a church across the yes, whole lot
2: of it. No, I, think, I think that we are the lowest figure allowed into a church. And I think, remember I was telling you last week that we have had the longest periods of lockdown across Europe as well. Yes. And yes, we're not, we're not seeing any benefits from it, are we? Like, it, it, it makes no sense. You know, I'd love to understand the reasoning behind these, you know, because if you look at figures across Europe, they have much shorter periods of lockdown. They have had much more, I won't say lenient, but much more, you know, I suppose, sensitive views towards the church and religious worship. And their figures are not, you know, they're not outrageously worse than ours. They're, they're in fact pretty much on a par. So I don't, I don't really understand the reasoning behind it. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense at all.
1: Other than it seems to be a continuation, really, and an attack on the Catholic Church and people going to mass or stopping them from going to mass now, indeed.
2: Well, I suppose you know you have to wonder. Like they, they're talking about um, releasing more, I suppose, information about the opening things up and gradually opening things up. In the next couple of weeks, so you'd wonder where where does where do religious services set on that? You know they're talking about um, opening up more sports and that. But will they will they open up the churches again? Is that on the agenda? You have to wonder.
1: What do you think of that, Tom? Shirley gave some important statistics there, Tom.
3: Yeah, well she's correct, and uh, it is, it is, You would actually wonder uh, because when the churches were allowed to open. And when masses like were continuing, I mean, uh, under any of the lockdown, previous lockdown times, they uh, ran, they ran their ceremonies, and they ran mass, and they ran anything very, very well, very strict, and and uh, they adhered to every every condition that was put in front of them. They, there was great work done by uh, by parish councils and by. Uh, you know, people within the, within the church itself and the priest, they didn't great work in order to continue. And it should have been definitely allowed uh, uh, along those lines. I could never see any reason. So I don't agree entirely that he's an anti-church king. I mean, you know, I, I, I hate to think that, I, I would hate to think actually that it that would be that there would be remotely even considered by anyone at the moment, like that it, this is anti-church. I think it's actually it's not it's not fair play because a lot of people and especially people that that have practising their religion. I mean misses uh, an awful lot, like, and you know they're really and truly. I mean you know they're they which they know as to what's going to happen in the future. And I think that it should be actually it's one area that should be re re looked at. Uh, and considered immediately now because it, it is become mm-hmm. it is now seriously becoming a mental health problem for people as well people are at their wit's end and i think that that's one area that would would definitely help i think in the whole in the whole arena of the
1: COVID. thanks tom uh jason is putting all kinds of signs and signals up to mm-hmm. i would like to tell you what shape he has put them in it's 10 o'clock folks it's coming up to ad time you're tuned to west or Two fm my name is Pat Donovan. This programme is going out live from half past nine until 11 o'clock on this Wednesday night, repeated tomorrow morning from half 11 to one. And if you want to call in or text in, Jason Smith is ready, willing and able. They're waiting for your messages on 69 or 87 The panel tonight is Tom Ryan, former manager of the Limerick Holding team, and Shirley O'Regan, a presenter, broadcaster, investigating person here in the radio station and my thanks to both of those for joining us tonight so we're going to an ad break and
0: we'll be back to you shortly County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors Limerick and Newcastle West For all your legal requirements phone 061 314 948 Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors TOD you are listening to the podcast of County Views is broadcast on West Lindwick 102 FM on the 10th of March 2021 from 9 30 to 11 pm. Joining Pad O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Shirley O'Regan. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise, you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.
1: Welcome back listeners, you're tuned to West Limerick 102 on this wild blustery Wednesday night. And we're live until 11 o'clock this Wednesday night and broadcasting tomorrow, of course, half 11 to 1. And our panel tonight is Tom Ryan and Shirley O'Regan. And the messages coming in there, we covered the bishops with Mark Tierney, and I hope Mark is his as well lined now with pockets, with stones in case he gets blown away. Hello, Pat. Can the panel please give the view on the HSE chief, Paul Reid, is earning 150,000 more than the Taoiseach. Paul Reid's salary rose to four hundred and twenty thousand one hundred and three in two thousand and nineteen from Mike and Kilmallock. Who's in there next, folks, Shirley, is it?
2: I, I don't know. It it seems like a crazy amount of money, doesn't it? You know?
1: We're listening to you Shirley talk along, yeah.
2: It just it just seems like a crazy amount of money and, and what is the reason behind that huge jump and in increment in that short period of time?
1: Well, it rose tough for 120,000. It didn't rise by yeah, that,
2: that one. But, it, it, you know, it, it, why is he getting paid so much more than the Taoiseach, and why is the Taoiseach getting paid more than any other PM across Europe as well? I mean, if you look at, if you look at the, the salaries of our representatives in a European context, you'd wonder, you'd wonder what is going on at all.
1: Tom, we discussed that now for the past number of years, you and I and i have been popping it. We have the highest paid, most of the people, the the, the old people, but the Taoiseach is the one we tend to talk about most, but the, the ones coming down behind them are all paid high, paid more than the English Prime Minister, paid more than the American uh, President, etc. Our people, it, it cannot, isn't it a wonderful country to come in for that kind of stuff?
3: Well, Pat, I'd say the only man I said making more money than <laughs> the teacher, And uh, and people like in the HSE, it would be Mr Putin, I'd say, because he, he, he's getting a couple of million. But it, it, it's an absolute, an absolute <laughs> disgrace. It's an opportunity to, to be paid probably that kind of money, you know, or in any... In any he, I think he came out of the public sector, maybe in Dublin, county council, one of the councillors in Dublin, and he landed into that job there. Tony O'Brien was there before him. And uh this money that 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 that, that they're getting in these salaries, he comes on there with a casual look there, he give a few quotes every day. What does, what's he doing? If he was I mean, like, no man is worth that kind of money in the job in a public sector job in a country that's packed you know bankrupt. And to be honest about it, we have the Department of Health. You know, we had the chiefs secretary there, the chief officer there I think he's under something similar money. He he got an increase of 90000 he got there recently and Michael McGrath the, the spokesman there on, on finance in the government went about justifying it. I mean surely to God like at this stage that there'd be some regulation that that kind of pay is obscene in the present country in, in the present, or at any time. And Pat They're working off lot more now that the banks are up and robbing people more than they ever robbed them before. They want more money in their pocket as well. So where are they all going to stop at? There are people homeless. There are people in doorways. There are soup kitchens operating in this country. There are people with businesses that will never open again. And to hear and to hear Reid getting that kind of a salary and bear and doors it's an absolute disgrace. And I don't know what can be done about that. The only thing I think they can be done about it, Pat, is a revolution
1: else, and, and I don't advocate any kind of
3: violence ever in my life. Right, Tom, and we're
1: only talking about one, but there's many more like him, of course. You know.
3: There are thousands of times. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, messages here, Tom, why are we surprised, Rea Davis, that misconduct, wherever there was money, the chance that there will be corruption, Mary, in Red Keel, and i have lost her. I agree with Tom, Tom Re how we have failed to acknowledge the great work done by nuns and priests in our schools and hospitals, and um, I should go into that, I suppose. Mm, messages. The priests in our schools and hospitals in the early years of the Irish state, the constant highlighting of the crimes of a minority of clergy without paying tribute to those who serve this country and its people well is to do those people a grave injustice. And Ryan Tubbury earns 480,000 with Ray Darcy and Joe Duffy not far behind. Surely this is even more scandalous. And of course, we had a secretary or somebody there lately moving from eight. Did he move up the a 100 yards, I think, surely? And did he get paid an increase of 109,000 for his movement? And just before we go to that, uh, I'll call these messages here in front of me. Hi, Pat and Tom. Pat and Tom, least, uh, I was looking, I wasn't called Jerry, wasn't I, Tom? Hi, Pat and Tom, great. You're back there again with your nice topical show which I always enjoy. Tom sounds very comfortable at that fireside of his. If I was there, I'd make him a nice cup of coffee and a nice slice of toast. Ha <laughs> ha! And hello to Shirley. Great to hear her. And thanks again for that very nice poem she wrote for me, Polly the Port, and a big, big, big kiss for my f- Tom. <laughs> thanks, I- Polly. I'm on the outside, Tom, looking in there, Tom.
3: No, to, no chance, to
1: Not at all. Yes. <laughs> and Nora Mary D is listening, delighted that you are back again. Thanks, Nora Mary, and we're delighted you're listening as well. And now back into these things a minute. Um, what? It is not good enough to say this is the way things are now and we can't do anything about it there needs to be national debate on the changes that are creeping into our lives and making citizens powerless we are only waiting for the robots to man the key positions and then we will really be on our own that's from mary in ratkeel keel as well so the robots and the highly paid this highly paid thing surely i was it's kind of hard to fathom out we're probably those political people and those people in those operative jobs mainly based in Dublin the yes. wages seem to be literally the highest in Europe if not the they world
2: are. like if you look across if you look across you know nobody gets paid you know the president of america doesn't get paid more than Arthur soc anybody any other prime minister across europe can get paid nearly as much it's it's obscene and insane and i just i'd love to know who how it can be justified you know I do not I d I don't I don't understand it. And as for you mentioned RTE there as well and now we've spoken about this extensively. Um why why do they keep talking about um how cash strapped they are if they're paying Ray rc four hundred and twenty five thousand euro a year, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's hardly value for money.
1: Now, Tom, electricity is going up. The grain party has been blamed for a lot of this stuff. Everything is literally going up. The electricity looks to be going up about seven and a half percent.
3: Yes, Pat. But like everything else, Pat, I suppose the changes in the in the production of electricity has, has been immense as well. And uh, you know, but it, there shouldn't be there should be a, 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 a stop to all increases in the public sector. You know, in the in the facilities area like water, uh, ESB, you know, gas. Definitely, people. There should be the government should step in there and say, look. For they're actually the own DSP, and the own those i mean the the states and they own they also have a big, have a big shareholding on our behalf in the banks lovers and uh, you know they should be making decisions on this because again d s b there's another outfit like that always had tremendous pay and i i i would be for all paying people decent money. And, this, uh, and, and a living wage, and, 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 and that there could be comfortable in their jobs. But there's no reason to why the world, why semi state and the public sector, which we can't forget, uh, are in such a privileged position, and nobody asks any questions, they can get an, an increase. There, there, there is an increase going through from at the moment, no doubt there's a pilot, back but you want them as well. And the whole thing is just a, a joke for a certain amount of people. And there are only people that are out there every day wondering, will they have a job? This is over. There's not Where, what, what support is there for them? None whatsoever. The now, now,
1: Shirley, what do you think of these increases? It looks like coming and coming fast, it looks like.
2: Yeah, it looks like they're imminent. And again, I think the timing is, is, is very ill-judged. You know, it's, it's, they, they seem to, to imagine that since we have become more compliant as a society that we will comply with, with everything and anything. You know, it's 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 a worrying and um, a worrying juncture to be at, I think.
1: But we are very compliant. And can the panel please discuss the announcement that the COVID nineteen vaccine jab will become an annual? And that's from John Heffernan in Adair. Tom, they seem to be saying that the vaccine will maybe last for every six months, that you might have to take it even though she said 12 months there, but I've also seen uh, six months as a possibility. Now, in in our case, I don't think it'll be six months because we won't even have it given around in the six months.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, we're in a frightening scenario, Pat, with the whole COVID. And, and as we already said in the programme and previous programmes, that it, it has changed the actual complexion and changed the whole dimension of the country. And as regards, I'm no medical uh, expert or anything like that, but I can well understand that it will become an annual. And I wouldn't really think that it'd be a very bad thing if we if it became if it's effective. Pat, they're they're saying that it is effective, and you know some people have their doubts, and experts have their doubts as well. As they, will it cover the different variants now of of COVID. Such as the Brazil one, the South Africa one, the British one. Some, some of them are saying it will and it's doing that. And they're saying that this has been tested now in the nursing homes and it's working. I can't understand how they can come up with that kind of a, 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 a statistic in such a short time path, you know, to be honest about it. And as you said, rightly said, we mightn't have got it six months. No, I know there's enough awful lot of debate at the moment, an lot of pressure as regards people should, who should be getting it. and you know how fast can they get it? But they can't get it until they, until they, the supplies increase and come in. And that that appears to be the biggest problem at the moment, Pat. And I'm and, and I'm afraid that there's a, a lot of people are saying this time, 12 months Pat. Last year we were wondering would we ever get like a vaccine. The vaccines have come through. Seemingly they are they're effective, ninety percent or maybe more of some of them, but. Why can people who have a bit of patience and wait? Look after our front line and look after our elderly, elderly and people that have that are really need people with with different conditions. They have to be looked after first. And let's not be selfish about
1: this. Right, Tom. We'll we- move to Shirley again, David, We have a lot of topics to cover, so if we can go to uh, Shirley quickly on that.
2: Um, well, I, I agree with with Tom. Um, and you know what? I, I, if if the vaccine is effective, which they, they are largely thought to be, I know it's, it's very early days, like if there were to be an annual occurrence, it, it should be no more onerous or no more difficult than the flu vaccine, you know it's just the practicality, the fact that, that this whole situation has been sort of foisted on people very suddenly and in a very alarming way Like, I think that if it were an annual scenario I think that everybody would cope with it it's much much better, you know, over time. But it's difficult to know. Like the supply of vaccines is is, is what's troubling us at the moment, and the fact that, that Europe has had so many extra doses, and yes, our our proportion of them is perilously small. I mean, have you have you seen the, the figures on that?
1: Have we got our percentage share, Shirley?
2: No, nowhere near.
1: <laughs> you mean we haven't got the same percentage across the European twenty-seven countries? I think it was a twenty-six. How has oh. the percentages popped out?:
2: um, t- I, see, I don't know how they' I don't but, we, but
1: based on the population, we seem to be well below the line, and also oh, yeah. France and Germany and uh, some other ones, they have gone outside the EU. and bought, bought them in uh, directly themselves.
2: Have, and which still, was not uh, which they
1: were not supposed to be allowed to do we were all to take it out of the eu pool so to speak yeah
2: and we're still sort of waiting for waiting for the leftovers and the, the patience that, that that comes our way you
1: know and england are trying to get rid of their surplus <laughs> yes sad 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 situation we seem to have landed ourselves in countrymen called holly Kevin steedy and mary higgins Uh, and two other senators came out against Poland's anti-abortion laws. It's a disgrace our our politicians interfering in other people's countries. That seems to be common enough when England were voting for the Brexit or stay in or stay out of Europe. We had our leading politicians gone over to tell the Irish people how to vote that time and so forth and so forth. And then we had um, Nigel Farage on the other hand coming back here telling us how to vote, and he was criticised for coming over here. So that's how it goes, Tom.
3: Well, Patsy, you know, there's different different um, things apply in different situations. Uh, if we go back to the supply of the of the vaccine, yes, again, I don't think that there is any surplus in England. There are vaccines. They have, they have acquired a lot more vaccines because they have, it's been manufactured there. And uh, they, they got in first, and it was a big... It was a stroke by Johnson. He was able to he was able to twist the arms of the companies and get the, the vaccines. And I understand, maybe I'm wrong, that Michal Mappin spoke to him during the week and uh, asked him if they would give us any help as they had. And he said he was going to uh, vaccinate his, his own people first. So there isn't any surplus vaccine there, but seemingly they seem to have enough to, to, to follow their own vaccinating routine. And uh, again, like, I mean, as regards, there's a lot of talk about other countries going outside the actual going outside the, the EU to, go, to get directed to the companies manufacturing these vaccines. But I don't think they're too successful because actually the production lines are chocolate block and they, they can supply. And Israel even haven't already, as people are already saying that they are vaccinated their population, they have not. You know. So if when you haven't your own I mean, population vaccinated fully, how can you have surplus? But there's a lot of old all, kind of talk going on cliches and be being banded around, but they're not they're not accurate like
1: yeah surely england have uh they're down now 50 to 55 they're vaccinating the people that age group we're still above in the 80s so i suppose that says enough of itself nearly does
2: it it does it doesn't really warrant a lot of further comments like we're 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 further further behind most other nations, i think
3: still well, we'll, get there. we'll get there. Ah,
1: we will get there we will get there tom but some people, said, some people sadly, Tom, will not get there. They'll get to well, the, the graveyard first.
3: Please God know, please God know that the fingers are going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, any even any one death is a big loss. So
1: we had protests in Dublin and we had protests in Cork last week, I refer to it. And we, we had a lot of violence and all kinds of left and rights and all kinds of people, group think involved indoors anti-this and anti-that and anti-vaccines, I think is basically what they are about. And we had maybe 30 fixed penalties and these fixed penalties seem to be very small and we seem to have the guarantee literally on standby just watching what is happening rather than preventing People from going outside or breaking the law if it is a law in England, they seem to have a simpler system which they've been applying quite a bit. The organizers of of the protests in England they had one day last Saturday because the English budget last week gave one percent increase to the health workers, and the health workers union people seem to think it was an insult, so there was a protest march in um, Manchester and the organisers of that march last Saturday, which I think three or four hundred people turned up, they were fined ten thousand pounds. We had one in Cork last Saturday, Tom, and we didn't hear only a couple maybe fined for being outside their limit or something minor.
3: Yeah, that's right, Pat. Some people who were coming from outside to join the protest, mm-hmm. the protest in Cork was was. A, a, was a uh, quiet protest, that people are entitled to protest, so there's no doubt about that. That's, that's one thing that we can't, we can't, we should never stop, is peaceful and honest protest.
1: But you're not allowed at the present time, due to lockdown, having more than five people gather outdoors.
3: Correct. Right. and and uh, again, Pat, in in that eventuality, uh, 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 what should happen is that the people at the, at the event should be, in actual fact, find whatever is the, is defined. And there should be no exceptions on that. And the organisers, you see, this was handled and was in a very haphazard way, way back in some months when there was an, a lot of confusion. I mean, and we didn't expect to see uh, on the streets a protest uh, about the COVID, a COVID protest, end up in the violence that ended, that ended up in Dublin. Our oh, police force is not is not a reactionary police force. They're a, they're a peaceful police force, and we wouldn't we sh- we we didn't expect that. Nobody expected the, the violence that happened in Dublin. That was a disgrace, and it should have been it should have been like disbanded very very fast. But we haven't the manpower, no, we haven't the facilities, that we haven't put the army should have be been implemented in uh, straight there, Away, and the people that were protested. That can be our force. There's due rights very, very important point. You said that at, at, at events they, were, they would be celebrating different events during the Civil War and during the War of Independence and and back in the summer times when people came on and when people went, they were all photographs. We had area photographs, we had, had detective special branch people, we know all who they were, and they were photographing people at these parades and at these events. And I remember even people that turned up to the south Commemoration all photographed and you know, all that. But right? why not photograph these people and identify them? And just, I mean, summon them and put them, you know, I'm not saying put them into jail, but some of them because, in actual fact, if now that there's, there's a law now and there's, it's been passed in the doll and there's regulation, they should be enforced.
1: As you, Tom, Tom as you mentioned, as Tom, as you mentioned, uh, Sean South, when I was at that. One year, and sure, it was it was another form of intimidation. I, just an ordinary citizen, went in because Sean Souten. There was a parade to mark the the date of his death on the first of January, and again you had your name taken in all sorts of stuff, which was really intimidating for ordinary people who would not be involved in any activity, only just wanted to be there. To pay your respects. Of course, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Pastor,
3: you know, they were very. They were intimidating times as well, and people were people were were stopped, and they were they were, and 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 were the, taken, and the, invitation, and, the invitation, and they were they were recorded, in it's been probably uh, as if they weren't subversive, they were definitely friends of subversives, and they they, they got you know they, they went into some records somewhere into Phoenix Park, they displays is a subversive, or maybe it could be down the road a terrorist or stuff, So you know all that. But now, seemingly, you can do what you like, and, 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 and you can get away with it, you know.
1: Shirley, as Tom very rightly points out, I love his last line there, that they can do what they like and they get away with it. We've been saying that here on some of these funerals in the past 12 months, two and 300 people travel the length and breadth of Ireland, and they can get away with it. And Literally, there's no law in order in the country at all when that can be allowed to happen.
2: I wouldn't say there's no law and order. What I would say is that there's a very selective law and order. You know, <laughs> that some people get penalties, some people get the fixed penalties, some people get a blind eye turned to them. Like, I mean, to bring this back full circle again, we're talking about protests, but it wasn't a peaceful protest. But how, how can we say that it is good that it was a peaceful protest when we're not supposed to have a gathering of more than five people? When we've just spent part of this evening talking about how unfortunate it is that we can't have more than 10 people at a funeral. How is it that these people are pro- they're protesting about a virus? like That's not something that we can control. I, you know, everybody's lives have been changed to this. Like, there's a million things for everybody to complain about, but having a super spreader event with no social distancing, no masks, is not the best.
1: Now, there's another text we're shoving up towards half ten as well. Uh, mm-hmm looking at this machine here what do the panel think of the proposal by the green party minister eamon ryan to run a 27 kilometer rail line from Charleville to limerick through some of the best farmland in the southeast wiping out many farmers mike barrett great to hear you back in here, and great to hear from you too mike and glad you're still alive and well in the past 12 months so hopefully you'll join us again in the next week or two or three as con is also anxious to come back on the line there some night. So I don't know how we'd control you, can when you're sitting outside and out the way but difficult difficulty, when you were sitting here in front of us. So hopefully we'll manage that. And are we ready to go to the ad break, Jason? Yes, we'll go to now. If you're tuned to West Limit 102 FM, broadcasting from Newcastle West. This program is live. If you want to text in or call in 06966200 or 87 166 That is text 087 166 9800. We do appreciate your phone calls and messages, folks, so keep them rolling in. There's no point in listening to our viewpoints all the time. We'd like to hear yours and the panel's view of those as well. So we'll go to an ad break and we'll be back to you
0: shortly. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You are listening to the podcast of County Views, is broadcast on Westlandwick 102FM on the 10th of March 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan, Shirley O'Regan, As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.
2: To
1: go all over the place. Back again, Lance. Welcome back, folks, and you're tuned to Westland or 102 FM and panelists Tom Ryan and Shirley O'Regan. And we had Minister Dara O'Brien visiting nine counties, Shirley, during the week.
2: We did to talk about housing nine. grants, and we had um, an Arthur Honesta coming out and saying that this is essential travel for him. And it's Yet another case. So I feel like a broken record decision of saying that the rules apply to some people but not others. I suppose
1: it's essential in relation to getting votes for the next election, possibly, is it?
2: But, I mean, can't he go Can't he go on one of the, the primetime television programmes and, you know, talk there? And he would talk everybody in the country all at once. Yes. In a safe manner, in a compliant manner.
1: Tom... I, 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 I was going to pass a comment there, but I think it was safe or not. <laughs> Tom?
3: Well Pat, well, Pat, you know, it, it, it's very disappointing to say the least that the example given by the Rob Rain is it's an absolute sh- shocking situation. That, you know, we're, we're, we're being browbeaten and listening every day to stay within the limits and keep the, you know, and then one of our leading politicians, the minister of the government, Says, I can go and do a seven county or nine county circuit uh, promoting promoting uh, uh, my policy. And, you know, it, it's wrong. And he shouldn't he, he shouldn't have done it, number one. And he should have been allowed to do number two. Because this day you and age now, Pat, you don't have to go to any location to, for, the, for the voice, your opinion, or voice policy. Because it is, it, we're only a small country, like, and to be honest about it, he was at him outside the door. People near the EU you know, you know, and to and to be going around the country like that, repeating himself and promoting himself. I think is, well, his housing is very important, and and at least uh, to say one thing in his favour, he, he is keeping it in the limelight, but the limelight is going to build any houses. And uh, he, should, they, what they're doing now, they should be doing from day one of their government you know, in promoting the building of housing, particularly social housing, at local government level and at local council level as well. And it's wrong. I don't agree with it. And he shouldn't have been. He should show a better example. And here, Leo radical the essential traveller. It's not essential travel. It's an extra fact. It's a kick in the face to people that are finding a difficulty to stay within their limit. And a lot of them could go on essential travel as well, but they're
1: not. Now another text message in here. Hello Pat, I send my second text from the wet and wild windy hills of Knock Roe. To follow up on Mike Barrett's text, can the panel please give the view on the possible construction of a new 25km railway line across open farmland in East Limerick between Limerick City and Charleville. This rail line is to run parallel to the new Limerick to Cork motorway. Personally, I think it's a mental plan as there is an existing rail line between Limerick and Charleville which serves Patrick's Well, Croom and Brewery and I feel that could be reopened. This plan stinks of the Green Party but the question I pose is is this to delay or stop development of the motorway from Mark Tierney and Mike Bowers was the one that raised it before that. Shirley...
2: Well, I think I think that i completely agree. why can't they um reopen and upgrade the existing railway? you know why why does it need to be new? Why does it need to go through farmland? That makes no sense whatsoever at all
1: and why surely would you not open one from Newcastle West to Limerick, which is also closed up a Abbey field or Listowel, indeed the whole which line they have now turned into a walking track?
2: oh yeah, but sure, you could like you could, you know at a time when. Every other, I, 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 don't understand why we we seem to completely lack reason in this country sometimes. But at a time when every other country across Europe was developing their their rail network, we shot three quarters of ours down.
1: Tom, so, we we, yeah. we we have done some hilarious, unbelievable things over the years. That pushed the railway line, which looks quite a a system that would be. Worthwhile and obviously reasonable to run and land your as it did in the past. Now the roads have cluttered up, burning diesel, diesel being forty-foot containers, etc., and road damage, etc., etc., and you have the pollution aspect of all that as well.
3: Yeah, but all all long-term planning and uh, has been has has been for, for thirty or forty years past. You know, to be honest about it, and to be talking about opening new rail lines down you know, to Cork from Nimerick, I think bringing parallel with a road is absolutely madness, and it's it's a lunatic uh, spending even idea, no matter who, what what they come up with it, green or yellow or brown or whatever that. You know, I mean, it's absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous. We have we've closed down all our all our infrastructure there as, as, as regards. For, for freight and for passenger there in it was you know, he was walking away. It couldn't be managed properly, so they again they chose it down. It's like everything else. And uh, now they're going back open again at about ten times the cost. And but to to go running a new line for to cost like, I mean it's an absolute madness. It, that's what it is. And and I think it should be it's, it's a bit like now what happened outside in the new road outside in my us like in that area of Limerick, where they, where they had half the road, not half, it, but a, a, a lot of it, a, a section of the road completed, and then they decided they were going to stop and not do any more of it. Now they're going to open a because it's it's Green Party policy. It's, you know, the environment is want to, be, to benefit. But well, maybe Mark,
1: maybe Mark Tierney had a point that it is a throw in to hold up the roadway.
3: I don't get past that, I, I don't think so. That that, 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 that that kind of contradiction will be will be implied here. But it looks like it's, as if they're they about it and they mean it. But sure, that won't, that wouldn't be there'd be no way that it'd be economically. I mean, successful like, a rail a Really, the rail lines that that have running like internally through the country, any demand haven't been promoted or not been supported anywhere. If you listen to any of the programs I and been mean, listening to the UN people talking about them, there's only three or four people. Like a lot of only all left the main lines. This gone. is on hold.
1: Tom is gone. You left it. Redialed Tom Ryan there. Shirley and St. Patrick's Day, I think that after a while these phones pop like that, then history dialed them again. But um on St. Patrick's Day, Shirley, I believe you have some bit of a worthwhile lineup of...
2: I do. I have a few nice things coming up on St. Patrick's Day now. Tom a few nice surprises. Um, at 11 in the Tom morning until uh, 12.30 I have a program called His, My Trousers Turned Back and it is the life and song of Con Greeny, and I'm very excited to be sharing it because I know that Con Greeny has had a huge following over the years but a lot of people won't have heard his music for a very long time because he brought out two cassettes, and you know people don't really play cassettes very much anymore. But I have been busily converting them to MP3s and chatting to people and gathering information, and it's going to be a lovely program. So that's eleven o'clock, twelve thirty on St Patrick's Day. And um, I also i am catching up with Billy McGuire at twelve thirty on St Patrick's Day till one o'clock, talk about the anniversary of founding of the IRB. And I have another program coming up from five to six on St. Patrick's Day as well, which well, has stories from the in. West Limerick School's collection about St. Patrick and the best of Irish music as well. So lots coming up.
1: So be, St. Patrick's Day will be well covered here on West Limerick with <laughs> Shirley or Regan. Are you back, Tom?
3: <laughs> I'm back, Pat, yes. Lovely. Yes. I'm glad to hear Shirley saying yes. mean, there. great sound of Congrainies by trousers.
1: Indeed. <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to sharing the music i've been visually converting the cassette and you know what it's great to hear it again i hadn't heard it for years myself
1: now tom that that's surely so she has lots of problems lined up there for saint patrick's day it is disappointing tom indeed that uh, the irish government will not be able to send out their uh, representatives across the world on this saint <laughs> patrick's day
3: Well, pat i'm very upset about it because our our attendance at those events like I mean I'd say they were very, very important overall. You know, that now I mean you can take that now to smile. But it's really and truly it's it, I, I think that it's it's a wonder they're not going to Washington. I don't know why did it go to why they didn't go to see Joe Biden? What kept him back there, I'd say was just the pure dent of if they did they'd be upfront the country, you know. But you know, it it I think for the overplay then we're completely and the, the, the whole thing and must be for it's we don't need that anymore it's going
1: to be surely it's going to be a huge financial saving on the country or will it with the costs of sending the literally every one of the, the government ministers and tds as well most of them seem to get some and then your county councils are going going as well to different places
2: oh yeah well you know, it, it, on one level, it'll be a saving, but sure, they'll, they'll probably get a, a, a wage increase to, to mm-hmm. compensate them for, for not being able to go. You know, so you know. Well, it's
3: coming out. It's coming out. It could be coming out the central Jacob anyway. That we've no control over whatsoever. And I don't think mm. the savings actually would come into the tall. You know, to be honest, But I know what you I understand what you're saying, and you know, it's a bit. Like, if you were saying it now, like would have been, I think, a bit of a joke. You know, but, I mean, the savings, uh, with the way money's been spent in this country and with the controls that are there, which are practically nil, and we can also, in in saying that, I would say that our Comptroller and General Mr McCarthy I think, he's a joke as well, at his department, you know, the way that, the way money's been spent and wasted on on different issues that we're spoken about here tonight, And people in a a bad state, that will be ignored. I think the savings now will be minimal.
1: I got another text message in there, and the lady said she's in bed and she passed a few more comments to the one she was sending it to, but I don't think the same lady, it was meant to be sent to me. (laughs) (laughs) She can be thanking her lucky stars, I didn't call that one out. Now, uh, where are we next? that takes i got there caused me extra confusion i have always found the things you have to keep back from saying sometimes is more difficult than what you do say now back to the 631 new cases of COVID tonight dublin 247 32 in limerick and uh, what surprises me most is believe it or believe it not shelly would be familiar with it all right because she sends me those things that the lowest rate of the COVID at the moment per head of population is County Cork, Cork and City. Is that right, Shirley? Yeah, that's it's, apparently. it's yeah. on It's on the very bottom of the list. Tom Ryan, Cork and Limerick are up in seventh place. Cork is at the very bottom with the lowest increase of COVID cases and Limerick is... Extremely high. It's second and third there nearly every night for the past fortnight.
3: That's right, Pat. Well, Cork has to be congratulated on, on their adherence to the to their regulations and uh, the way. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're doing something right down there, and uh, it's good. Like, and we should be taking a leaf out of that book. I mean, Limerick is is hitting the high spots for all the wrong reasons uh, in, in 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 over the past week or two. And uh, you know, with the partying and the uh, carry on, and the university students, and, and people that weren't university students at all, and it, it is a worrying factor that the is is maintaining these high figures. And the, the only reason from the from the from the COVID people now, and uh, they're, they're explaining that a lot of these uh, cases now are coming in family situations. You know, in, they're all in the community and that's a very worrying factor as well and it means we have to be more vigilant and keep sending the message and the people that are not adhering to the regulations keep putting, putting, putting the tongue on them and make sure that they do that's the only be we do, Pat but, but sh- this is not going away, Pat
1: But Shirley, back now since Christmas time literally the, the university has gone where well, the McCork was troubled there last year during the course of the year with, around the university area but they seem to get that under control we don't hear it anymore and they moved in a lot of Gardee around the area to take control of it. Limerick University area seems to be trouble even before COVID ever came the way with house parties and behaviour unbecoming.
2: Yeah, and again, there, there seems to be no deterrent. You know, Again, you have your your 30 book notices, and that seems to be the upper limit. There were hundreds of people on the streets. Why only 30? I don't understand. And the, the university came out and about the possibility of expulsions, but we haven't heard any more about it since. Surely if these actions are to be imposed, they should be imposed quickly to deter any future events like that. What are they waiting for?
1: Tom, we have the same old thing there Shirley and myself and yourself, indeed. They are just standing and they are watching and, and they are planning and, and they will come in in two weeks. We have the hotel situation as well, we could move to that with the people uh, that have to self-isolate for two weeks. Now they are putting them into a hotel and they are putting the a security firm in charge of the hallways and the doorways so they don't come out. But. Everything seems to be so far behind. Instead of bringing in those things at the beginning to stop this thing getting out of control and the numbers getting out of control.
3: Well, I agree with you Pat, hundred percent. That we are we are playing catch up all the time. And to be honest, about it, Pat, when we go back to universities, like, I mean, there's one there's one area there that that's not being that's not been uh, spoken about at all and nothing be done about it. That's the administration, and. And, the, and the, the university people themselves, the administrators, the, I mean the bosses of our university, they have that. I mean, long before COVID, came, they they weren't actually they weren't doing their job either. They weren't allowing their students to, have to go and have. You know, I can't understand why people have to have, have be packing all the time. You the students. The student, the, I mean, this that they in the country, hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions, probably billions. If you focus on. And like I mean and surely to God, these people cannot be allowed to, to for the for the continue behaviour like that. And the universities being allowed to say, look, we're going to we're going to sanction them. We're going to do this, we're going to do uh, that, we're going to send them a letter that has to write out five thousand words or something. Ridiculous. awfully <laughs> stupid I mean recommendations are stupid I mean things to be said to the public. They are responsible for their students' score And they have to make sure that their students have are up to speed and they're aware, and if they go outside the regulations and carry on like they that is here in Castle Street there, recently, and I've done it for a long time, not recently, the place is out there, it's like a dump. Anyway,
1: I- You're gone again, Tom. Tom Ryan is gone again. Shirley... is on hold. Uh, Shirley, uh, we had a case there today uh, reported... And a man in Dublin, he was attempting to put a 69-year-old lady into the boot of his car, yeah. and he was given six years in jail. And then we look at yesterday's paper, Daily Mail. County have arrested seven men following an operation targeting a potential blackmail and extortion plot in County Dublin. The men who had machine guns, ballet clavers, were on their way to target a local businessman, as part of an extortion plot, County believe. On Sunday afternoon, Gardai in the Barn by area of Kevin conducted a number of stop and searches after identifying four cars. The men had been under surveillance at the time, investigating officers believed the gang were on their way to threaten the businessman. They Two are from the north and five are foreign nationals living in Dublin. Yep,
0: I just put you back in.
1: See back? Go tom yes
3: Pat. sorry so,
1: sorry uh, just wh- while you were away you might have missed out i referred there to the case of the man in dublin today he got six years in jail for trying to kidnap a woman or put her into the boat in put her into the boat of his car that's right Pat. and Pat. then i'm just reading here now in yesterday's daily mail seven arrests blackmail next extortion plot is filed have arrested seven men following operation targeting in blackmail extortion, Kevin, the men who had machine guns. Sunday afternoon, got stopped car- for cows. The men under surveillance were under surveillance, threatening a businessman. Two from the north and five of foreign nationals living in Dublin. That's as far as I got reading it, and probably that's far enough anyway. But again, six years in jail for this guy in Dublin, and you have you have a lot of that going on at the present time. And I was talking to somebody this evening about the lady in uh, Carlow some few years back, the the, the guy who was a, a leading suspect of the missing women around the Wicklow or Leinster area. And he, he had kidnapped a lady, put on the boot of his car out of the <laughs> shopping center in Carlow. And he had her naked and a, a black bag over her head or, and a whole dog inside in the forest when the two men came along, they were hunting. And saved her and got him, caught him as well. He only got ten years that time. I think it's well remembered who he was, Tom. Ten years is all he got for that. Whereas I thought kidnapping was literally a life sentence, supposed to be. The sentence is basically, in a nutshell, for me anyway, Tom. The sentences do not fit the crime. They are too lenient. They are not. De- they are not deterrent. Yeah, they're no
3: deterrent, and we've discussed it. And- You know, every day you meet people and they're talking about it, and we discussed it in the program on numerous occasions. And, uh, you know, the consistency of the sentencing by our judiciary is an awful lot to be desired. That case in Dublin was shocking, frightening. That poor woman, I mean, what she was subjected to there by somebody that was clearly always in mind, he had to be like, and to get six years for that and probably out in... Three or four out again in the public, to, you know, it's, it's, to probably repeat the the, the the I mean the event again. It's an absolute, I mean, a shocking situation. But we don't appear to be able to get to grips with this pattern. you know, these serious crimes. And like, I was shocked, actually, you know, with that with, with the situation in Kevin, that these gangs can be allowed to run free with that kind of of of, of armaments. Like, I mean, guns and. And grenades and bayonets and you know I mean they should be put away, Pat. And and if they're from other countries which they, which there appear to be now five of them, they should have been put on a plane and sent back. Get out, get them out the country straight away, back to where they came from. Never again to that in the door at all costs. We have to be sure that the safety of, of ordinary people. You know these gangs and and but Pat, we kind of have have realised now that. This is the kind of a thing that we have to—we come to expect. We're talking about feuds, we're talking about gangs, throw gangs, and all this. And they've, they've become a kind of a bit of a novelty and something that we're, we're talking about. But they, how can a small country like this survive with gangs like that running those and not having not having uh, the framework the, the to put them on a commission? I don't know. I can't understand it.
1: Shirley. yeah
2: <laughs> I completely agree with Tom. I mean, I I don't know which troubles me most, the inconsistency or the leniency. I don't know if there's an article, uh, I think last week in the papers, I don't know if you saw it, where they were talking about how much money the prison services have paid in the past year for games consoles, Sky television and Netflix subscriptions for prison inmates. So, I mean, it's it's no deterrent, you know, they're actually paying hundreds of thousands of euros for entertainment, for people who are in prison, as well as giving them ridiculously lenient sentences,
1: you know, I don't understand, Shirley. It seems to be that the whole system are making a lot of money out of those people. So there may be, you know, if you look in Newcastle West courthouse, you pass it up and down, yeah. or any courthouse, you will see the same familiar faces there on a very regular basis. And the system, uh, Tom. The system are doing well out of it. The barristers, the judges, the solicitors, the whole lot seem to be all happy with the system. It's in and out, and it's money for the wise.
3: OK, that's go back racket, patent to free legal. Even
1: though I shouldn't be commenting like that, saying that our, our sponsor is in the <laughs> legal profession, indeed, you know.
3: Exactly. Well, Patrick, we have to be part of We have to. We have to discuss have to be discussed, regardless of who's sponsoring us, regardless of who's listening. You know, give our opinion. That's all we're here for. And uh, to be honest about the Pat, I mean, like, when you look at as this whole system, the role, I mean, what they call the revolving door system, and go to the courts and see the carry on, it would be well worth anyone's while to do it. And to see, then you see one one day you, you are, he's a solicitor, the next day he's a judge, and maybe a High Court judge or a Supreme Court judge as well. Pat.
1: And don't forget, Tom, freely led.
3: Well, I'm <laughs> freely Pat, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, something we've discussed on numerous occasions on the program as well. And it's, you see, where's the justice? I mean, Shirley said earlier on there the ordinary people, there's just, there's only, there's not two laws, there's about five lives in this country. But the people that are keeping the whole show going are the people that go to work in the morning, pay their taxes, pay their PYE, pay their rent, pay their raw tax and insurance, and then they're subjected into every regulation that's going. And the token <coughs> tank and the drug dealer, and the robber, and, the, and he can go, and he can commit crimes, and there'll be somebody to say, well, he comes from a dysfunctional family, or he's on drugs, or he's on, or, he's on drink, and there'll be a big case met for him. And on all racket. It's a kind of a game, which is a very costly game for the state, which is a very costly game for society. It's well-passed
1: surely there doesn't seem to be any attempt to bring down the numbers to have a a perfect society so to speak you know or anything close to it, it, it it's just multiplying 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 all the time
2: oh yeah like i mean sure i mean there, there's no But i mean we we come back to this again, and again there's no accountability there's no need for accountability because there are no consequences no consequences
1: Oh, I'm going to do it to you now, Shirley, what I've been doing to Tom Ryan all night. I'm going to interrupt you because it just dawned on me that, and you can come in and Tom would like a comment on the two, I'm, I believe we, we had a guy from Limerick who is to be deported or a request to deport him because he was caught for drunk and driving out in Bulgaria, was it? He, he got uh, 18 months jailed for being caught for drunk driving. And his defence is that the jails out there were overcrowded, unsociable for him anyway. I love, I love it. past. Uh, so Just be aside from the
3: poor old crates and then you could be young again. So You're
1: familiar with that one, Tom? I'm not familiar
3: with it. Yeah, it was on there today. To, to on today yeah. the it was on today. Yeah. No,
1: this was explained to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, and it goes to show, like, I mean, the, the hypocrisy of the whole thing as well. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and how, how slow the the, the justice, equal, quality justice moves, and, and the way obstacles can be put in the way of of practically everything. And Pat, you see, we tend as well to look at justice and to look at crime. Where, where where's the white collar crime pattern? Well, that has that's, that's, that's alive and well in the country as we know now from the last few days as well. And there's no there is no there is there is no sanction, as Shirley has rightly said they can put up the two fingers to the law and
1: to the public and next week is, yeah. tom Sh- D- D- jason is putting all kinds of signs across <laughs> my face there our thanks to shirley and also to tom uh, two wonderful people and very very knowledgeable people in both of them indeed and i think we could we could go on for another hour and a half indeed and also <laughs> our thanks to jason for Getting our sound system and everything sounds perfect tonight. And Tom Ryan obviously needs a new phone, and maybe Mark, with his message maybe he needs a new phone because it broke down twice. Shirley's phone seemed to work perfect. Thank
3: so you, Pat.
2: And <laughs> uh, would you ever consider sponsoring your phone? Good night,
1: Shirley. Good night, Tom. What's the name
2: of
3: those Yeah. <laughs>
1: Put under the kettle, Polly. So our thanks to all and thanks to listeners and thank you all for your messages, folks. It's very much appreciated. We need the messages rolling in. Thank you. And also, of course, we thank our sponsor as well. And thanks, Jason. So good night, God bless, and talk to you again next week.
0: 102 FM. You've just been listening to the podcast of County Views is broadcast on Westlinwick, 102 FM on the 10th of March 2021 from 9.30 to 11pm. Shirley O'Regan, joined Pat O'Donovan and Tom Byrne for the discussion. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061 314 948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie.